to the Mike on Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman. We have our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, who's kind of in a precarious position. We'll explain that in a second. We also have uh, the very comfortable looking uh, pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, who's having a sip of coffee. He's in, he's in his home. He looks warm. Uh, Max, you are not in that same situation. You are, look like you're sitting in the lobby of a building. What's going on? Let our listeners know what's going on. I'm outside on, I'm outside on the street. Are we videotaping this right now, Shane? Is this a screen record happening? Yeah, we're screen recording. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so basically, I'm outside of Manager Ash's place. Uh, there's some fellas here that are also trying to get in, apparently. Uh, and she has a uh, Zoom call, a very important Zoom call, um, that was supposed to wrap up earlier. And I have been just standing outside of her building, where I normally record the pod. So that's what I'm doing right now. Define important Zoom call. Um, I don't. I couldn't even tell you what it is. It's uh, but but normally she can multitask. No, you can't tell me because it's a secret or because it's uh, a big band or she's talking to the killers or something. No, no, no. It's just I think it's just a business secret. I don't think she's talking to the killers. Uh. But now that I'm doing this, guys, I got to say, you know how I like to multitask. It'd be kind of fun to record this podcast on my walks. You know how I'm kind of like uh, pathological about my walks. Maybe yes. this is maybe this is the next evolution of podcasting. Yeah, Max, I don't know, man. Like, uh, there's times where Shane's telling his story and you zone out just sitting in like a you know an office. <laughs> Only I don't know when you... I'm telling the story. Though, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know your, how your ability to listen to a story and engage while you're walking around the streets of Toronto would would fly. I, I mean, also for our listeners, your audio is going to be a little bit. We're just this is the Zoom audio because you're waiting to get up to Ash's apartment right now. Yeah, once I get in there, it'll be fine. But actually, Shane, it's a good question because I think I'm actually maybe better on the phone because. The, the movement keeps me focused on the conversation. I think sometimes when I'm sitting still, that's when I get a little fidgety. Yeah, so it could be cool. Kevin Nealon has a podcast that does that. He just goes on hikes with celebrities and interviews them. It's an interesting dynamic. How's that? Well, how's the breathing? It's like, does he ever walk with anyone out of shape? Well, he's a little bit older, so he's breathing a lot. He's in decent shape, but he <laughs> is, he's breathing a lot and it can get very distracting and it's very hot. It's always in LA. It is weird, but it's, you know, it is interesting. Okay, so Maxi, where are you coming from right now? You're in the streets of Toronto. Uh, you're looking pretty cool. Yeah, I just, I actually, you know what? I have a basketball. Oh, Ash is letting me in now. Okay, here we go. Uh, one second. Yeah, I have a basketball. I tried to shoot around. I tried to shoot some hoops today. Uh, and some fucking, some teach said, scram, buddy. Wow. This, this school yard is for the kids. What, were you wearing your mask? No, no, no. I, she I, didn't know who you were? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? The teacher was kind of in the Arkells demographic. He was probably like 30 and looked like an Arkells fan. So he's going to feel pretty stupid when he hears this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. What an idiot. I'm thinking of going. I got a I got a court around the corner from my house. And I was actually I was looking at the weather app today. And I was like, am I going to go put up some shots? I need to I need to get some exercise. I know, Shane, you run every day. You make a point to like exercise. And I'm, I'm very uh, yeah. I'm always very envious of you because at your sort of ability to do that. I need to actually like do something like basketball. So I'm like, I might go put up. It's funny that Max has, has a, a basketball because I'm thinking of doing it today. Was it too cold out, though, Maxie? No, it's awesome. It's nice it's out. It's really nice right now. Yeah. Have you done your run yet, Shane? So here's the thing. Uh, I was going to take the compliment of running every day, but I haven't run in maybe two months because oh. I, I don't run when it's snowy out. Ah, that makes sense. But what do you I'm, do then? I, I, I go, I run, yeah, nine months out of the year. So right now I just do push-ups. How many push-ups are you doing right now? 500. God, God Still 500. 
Damn. Yeah. Okay. I should be back in business in one second, fellas. This is good though. That open was good. I have some ideas that I want to talk about. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Max is assembling a microphone now, like John Malkovich in, in the line of fire. That is a very modern reference, by the way, where he puts together a porcelain gun to uh, smuggle yeah, into a plane. Because it gets through the um, f- uh, detectors, right? Yes, the metal detectors? The, yes. Yeah. I knew I could count on you, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What is that? <laughs> It's a movie with Clint Eastwood and John Malkovich. Anyway. But didn't you, when you saw that, didn't you think that was kind of dangerous if terrorists were looking that up as a way to get through metal detectors? 100%. I was like, this is the most genius thing. Like, you can make a, like a porcelain gun that can't be detected. I was like, how are they putting, I totally thought it was like ingenious when I was a, a kid whenever I saw that movie. Yeah, it scared me. Uh, I'm almost there, guys. Max, you're rolling. Okay, last thing. I have to piss so fucking bad. Uh, one second. Right. You might hear this actually because. Because it's going to get picked up on my um, on my AirPods right now. Max just went to the bathroom, but his headphones were in. So we heard, we heard, we heard the noise. So Max had kind of a weak trickle. It was, I liken it to what you might expect like an 85 year old man to have. It didn't feel like if I was just judging someone's age on P, I wouldn't say, oh, that's a virile young man no, no, who no, sings no, for a popular no, no, band. No, 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 no. Listen, it was, it's being picked up by my AirPods. My, it's not... Uh, the full encompassing sound of the bathroom. Oh, the acoustics totally of the bathroom solid... are what are the issue. Yeah, hmm. and the AirPod microphone. If it was being picked up by something else, it would be totally fine. But anyway, carry on with your question. Mm, I don't believe you. I peed with AirPods on before while I was on a podcast, and it sounded much louder than that. Okay, so when you're at a urinal and somebody's next to you, do you try to make the stream more powerful? Or is oh. that just me who does that? Uh, yeah. I- I have never, no. No? No. I don't, I, I've talked to someone else and they said they, they did do that. I think it was Mark Myers. And I was wondering mm. if this was, this was a universal thing. Like it's like a show of like like dominance? Like it's like to show you're virile or that you're healthy? Like what's the, the, the psychology? I, I don't know. I've never really analyzed it, but I think it is to <laughs> show like, hey, like I've got a really powerful hose here. <laughs> oh, interesting. Do you, do, you pee, do you take a peek over? Do you ever do that? No, no. What? No, No. never. You do? I don't know. I thought that was sort of standard practice. Okay, what about the stream? The stream. I don't really think about that. The one thing I do think about that that I actually do have uh, shame about uh, is if my pee is a little too yellow. Because, you know, like, do, do you judge how yellow versus clear it is? Uh, but, but I'm not looking at other people's streams. <laughs> no, I'm just saying for myself. I'm just going, ah, oh, shit, I got to be drinking more water. It's more of a water situation. Yeah, okay, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Max, you got to hydrate more and, you know, you know. And then then sometimes, when you know when you're drunk and you take a piss and it's super white and you're like, I'm hydrating great today. And you drunkenly yeah. tell yourself that you're, you're being really healthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's like super clear. <laughs> another another f- a fear of mine, though, is sometimes if somebody's beside me, the pee won't come out right away. Oh, like yeah. it won't it takes come out. And then yeah. and then it takes a while and then it takes longer and longer and the problem keeps getting exasperated by the person standing next to me. And then it seems like I'm a, just a guy standing at a urinal <laughs> not peeing. Because there's no noise. And the guy's like, is this guy fake peeing just to like check me out? So just a hang. Yeah. yeah just a hang. Just a, yeah. <laughs> Hanging out. Let's let's get into the pod. Max, you said you had some ideas as you were assembling your microphone. I'm very keen to hear what you Oh yeah, yeah. So, well, first of all, I just listened to, I started the most recent episode of This is Important, the Workaholics podcast. And I always find that puts me in a good mood because 
they're so silly and they just talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of gross stuff. So maybe that's why like talking about peeing and stuff like felt appropriate right now this morning. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, did you guys read that article that I sent to you um, in the Atlantic about the one big meal of the day? Of course. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's, I didn't know if we were getting to that now, but it's kind of natural. Let's do it. Well, Shane, did you read it? No, I did not. But sometimes I knew you I, wouldn't. <laughs> well, well, you know how sometimes you get enough information just from the headline. I think I de- I derived enough just from <laughs> reading the headline. You, you know what? It's you're so right. You didn't really need to read the whole thing, Mike. As somebody who read the whole thing, do you think you needed to read the read the whole article, or is the headline good enough? No. So this article in the Atlantic, the headline is literally: "There's no reason to eat three meals a day." So that's essentially kind of the the, the crux of the article. But the other element of the article that you don't get from the headline is that this uh, author talks about eating one big meal a day so that because like we're all in this pandemic weird swishy swashy time has no meaning the idea of three meals a day at the times that we set them at is sort of maybe antiquated or even not even necessary in the current state that we're all living in um but i i like the sort of this interesting there's no reason to eat three meals a day uh and sort of why we've done it and how it's sort of like this recent construct it's not it's not inherent to humans and it brings me back actually a bit to a conversation i had years ago with matt mcpeak all of our good friends and he had said that we were talking about breakfast you know how like a conventional breakfast in your mind is like it's like two eggs some you know hash browns like a toast it's like this huge thing that's probably like you know 1500 calories or something crazy like that and um he was saying that that was invented for miners, uh, like people that worked in mines because the labor was so physical that they needed to load up at like whatever, 536 in the morning on this calorie heavy diet uh, breakfast and then go into the mines and put in whatever, six hours before lunch. And I was like, I always think about that now whenever I go to like some mom pop like breakfast shop and I load up on like the fucking eggs and the pancakes. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm not going into a mine. I'm going to sit on my ass on a couch, you know, and read my phone. <laughs> So yeah, I've I've never not thought about that whenever I have the conventional sort of North American breakfast. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike, to that point, I think there's probably a lot of conventions that we have just grown accustomed to that we don't even think twice about that were probably invented like a super long time ago. Like there's so many examples of that. And what's making the pandemic interesting is that people are beginning to reevaluate that. Um, but I was also just like thinking, I had kind of two questions in mind. Uh one is, okay, like, do you agree with, like, the one meal philosophy, like, the one big meal and then just grazing? Like, what is your what is your eating habits? What is your caffeine habits? Do you guys have, like, like a certain amount of activity you think you should be getting every day? Uh, and then the second question I had, and maybe I'll start, is, um, is what's your perfect day? I want to know what your perfect <laughs> day is. Because uh, it's a beautiful day right now in Toronto, and I'm just really kind of stoked I'm you're, very... you're walking into this pod on a cloud of positivity yeah, and happiness I'm, right now it's nice I'm, it's good energy yeah, yeah yeah i'm pretty happy about that so uh but yeah uh shane how many meals a day do you eat two are you still dieting a lot no but i, I you know i'll snack whenever i see fit usually i'll have lunch which is just a bowl of ground beef with some uh, uh salsa in it and then mm. i will have a s- spoon of nutella around three o'clock New- wow. nutella <laughs> is that is that different from nutella is that like is that a new it's, brand it's different than old tella they've updated right, it yeah. <laughs> that's terrible nutella nutella am i saying it? okay i have yeah. a spoonful of nutella and then i i sometimes i'll have a banana and i'll put it in the nutella i'll heat it up and i'll put a little maple syrup and mm. it's this weird little dessert and then for supper i'll usually have the ground beef but i'll put it in like a 
a burrito wrapping. And that's Interesting. that's usually what I yeah, I, I pretty much do that every single day of my life. Do you um, – so you stay away from the carbs, it sounds like, for the most part. Maybe in the no, evening no, I have, the, I have the burrito wrapping. Uh, also, uh, every Friday – Friday, I don't count as like a weekday. I'll have a mm-hmm. pizza every single Friday night. Mm-hmm. And every Wednesday night, we have a date night and I'll get some sort of t- fancy takeout meal and I'll have a half bottle of wine. Shane, do you have abs right now? No, I have flabs. Mm, no, because I haven't been running in the last three months, so uh, I'm I'm not as toned as I will be in like July. Okay, guys, I want I want to go through our, the the ideal 24 hours. Okay, this is uh, each one of us can do this, and and this can be like outside of the pandemic world. So this is like give me your dream fantasy 24 hour day, and I think the caveat is um, you you want to do it so it's like. It's not completely gluttonous. It's not like I don't. It's not like I'm gonna die tomorrow. It needs to have some thought into. It's not be like I'm gonna drink one thousand beers. Like it can't be that. It has to be something where it's like you're. I'm feeling a little targeted by that, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Why are you looking at Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but I'll, I'll start and then and I'll work through it with you guys. Can, can I just ask a question before you begin? Yeah. Are you allowed to be on vacation on this day? Or does it have to be a typical day in oh, your region? Good question. Probably conventional day, right? Like conventional vacations day. are they're outliers in general. Yeah, yeah, but because I think the reason why I, I think this is interesting is that you know in the one meal a day conversation we're bucking convention. We're going okay, well, how can we do this better? And I think working from home is actually kind of interesting, uh, where, where people go, you know what? I wouldn't actually go into the office. I just do my work at home. Like so, everybody has a different version of like what an ideal day is. So um, okay, I'm gonna wake up at eight o'clock. I will have eight solid hours of sleep. So I will have gotten a great sleep, wake up at eight. Um, I will uh, have a coffee first thing in the morning. Maybe I'll make my own coffee. Uh, I'll read the newspaper, the physical newspaper. I'll read like a Globe and Mail or something like that, uh, which is different than looking at your phone. Uh, And then I will tend to some, I'll go for a walk probably for about mm, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, I will tend to some emails for about half an hour, an hour. Then I'll go to the studio, work on some a music, some piece of music that I'm excited about. Uh, I'll lay down my parts and then I'll leave the rest of it to like the band and the producer to figure out. So I just kind of like get my creative out, output there. Uh, the, the weather is about 20 degrees, so I don't have to wear a jacket. Uh, I don't have to wear pants. It's very easy to kind of go in and out of buildings because like you have to bundle up all the time. Uh, I will play basketball in the afternoon. I'll find a good pickup game. I won't have to wait too long to get on the court. It'll be very fun. Oh fuck! I haven't even eaten yet. <laughs> I will eat before this before um, I go to the studio, and it'll What's be a like meal. Um, I think just to feel better about myself, it'll be something kind of like egg based. If I'm good, I won't be too bready, but it'll be like a spicy egg with bacon kind of situation as my first meal. Um, after basketball, I'll treat myself, uh, probably to, I mean, I'll have a coffee before basketball. So I'll have my second coffee kind of early afternoon after basketball. I'll treat myself to some, uh, a baked good of some sort, maybe like a croissant or a cookie. Uh, and then I'll meet up with my friends, uh, for maybe some food and a beer. And then I'll go to the Raptors game because they're in the playoffs because it's the springtime. And then I will get probably like buzzed at the game where I'm drinking 
four to five drinks, but not too drunk because I want to be I want to be functional the next night. So maybe three to four drinks, and then we'll go to a bar afterward and we'll talk about the game. That is my perfect day. I'm in bed by twelve thirty. Oh, and on the way home. I, I kind of have the munchies because I'm a little bit drunk and I go get myself um, some candy. That's my day. It's a nice day. Um, Mike, what would you do? These are all things that make me feel really good in particular. And I know you have a family and stuff too, so you have to kind of- You've got to factor it in, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so again, wake up after eight hours uh, of great sleep, like you said, Maxi, but I'm probably waking up around 6.30 or 7 uh, with Winona. Uh, I'm going to play with Winona for about an hour. Uh, we're going to have a laugh in the morning. She's very silly in the morning. Then I'm going to drop her off at daycare. Uh, on my way home, you know what I mean? I'm going to, Danica might want a coffee. So I'll stop and get Danica a coffee. It makes me happy to bring her something on the way home. Um, but in a perfect day, I don't get anything. I'm not getting a donut. I'm not getting a bagel or anything. And pre-pandemic, Shani knows, I didn't, I don't eat breakfast. Like we would both show up to work. Like we were not, I'm not a breakfast person at all. I've started to a little bit eat something in the morning. I do find because what else are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? What else is there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in a perfect day, I don't touch breakfast. Come home, start doing some work. Uh, I would say around 11.30, I'd probably order up uh, some sushi. Uh, back Ooh. in the old days, I would love to go get like a, 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 a yam tempura roll, a California roll, maybe like a avocado and cucumber Hold on, let me stop you here for yeah. a second. Are you not going into work? Because like, and are you in Toronto or are you in your place in Hamilton? Well, I thought we were doing a pandemic day, but then when you mentioned no, going no, no. to a Raptors game, this is just a normal day. Okay, honestly, like my perfect day, yeah, I'm going into work. So I'm dropping off Winona at daycare. Uh, I'm going to work after I drop her off and I'm chilling at the desk. I'm hanging with the people uh, at, at around noon. I'm going to go get myself some sushi, which is always like super satisfying, but I never feel gross after. Um, and then I'll... Come, I'll probably on my way home grab Winona from daycare around five. Hold on a second, but let's go back yeah. to work for a second. Yeah, what, what's like a, a really satisfying work day? Because you guys like your job, but like, so when you like, what's the best version of a work day? What, like, is it a brainstorm? Is it on set? What, what does that look like? Yeah, I'd say like, say we have like, um, like clients that are like we're pitching on ideas or something, and we have like a brainstorm in the afternoon, and in the morning you're sort of like putting together ideas. You know what I mean? But you do it individually, and there's something kind of exciting because it's like I know Shane's behind me putting together good ideas, and it's like I want my ideas to be as good as Shane's ideas or better. And you know, depending on the day, Shane might outgun me, and then I'm like, like those are kind of fun where you're like. You have the time to put in. There's also days where you've kind of mismanaged your time and it's like 40 minutes before the meeting and you're basically like, you're, you're sort of like judging your worth on your ability to, to spin gold out of nothing in 40 minutes. Uh, but Which can be a better feeling if you're so behind and you still come through. You're like, I'm a genius. You do. You honestly do walk out of the meeting and you're like, fuck, fuck, just come on. It's like, I'm worth every penny, you know, but then there's other days where you're like, I'm an overpaid hack. Uh, but, um, yeah. And then, so it's like, that's like a nice morning. That's exciting. Eat my sushi on a perfect day. Uh, we would used to play basketball at the Grange near work. So like, it's like, I would go over with Shaney boy, John co-host on the pop on the, not the pop, John Poplis co-host on the uh, pedestal. Uh, and we would hoop. And you'd feel so good after that because you actually got some exercise. Um, and then I would go grab Win from daycare, go home. Uh, Danica makes this like amazing, amazing, amazing stir fry. And I know this is two rice dishes in one day, but hey, I like my rice. So hey, it's like a veggie Dutch stir fry. Indonesian. I That's had some right. Dutch Indonesian the other day. Had rice. Very good. And you consider rice a health food too. 
my theory is that my body is is built for it it processes it properly the way that you guys maybe process like kale or something what because like asian people process rice better that's right so is that true though no theory it's a theory theory. to see if that can be true i've grown up on it like all of my family dinners with like oma and opa like growing up was always like rice and sambal and fish and all this stuff so like i feel like my it's just something that's been inherent to me since i was a little kid uh yeah so danica makes this amazing stir fry that's got like this peanut sauce uh it's so mm. fucking good so that would be the dinner and then maxi in my perfect day i'd be then popping over to the scotia bank arena to meet up with you guys mm. to watch a raptors game get a buzz on and then wherever we're going after basically the rest of my night is exactly how you described uh the evening mike is there any part of your day that's satisfying um because i feel like you are very good at this and you do this often is you leave like a two paragraph analysis of the Raptors in our basketball <laughs> chat group. And I feel like you and you're so good at it. And it's like reading the best basketball journalists. Like, honestly, your basketball takes are as good as any basketball journalist that we follow. <laughs> does, does that bring you joy to, to deliver those? It really Is that does. A creative outlet. Well, it does. And I'm, there are times where I start to get on that role and I start putting together like two full paragraphs and it actually consumes me to the point where it's like, I know that I have a zoom call for work in like two minutes, but I'm like, I know I can finish this thought. I know I can finish this thought, (laughs) but I do love putting it together and making sure that it all works. And I try to make it like, like not refute proof, but it's like, I know we're going to have some snarky person in our group that might like go at it. You know, like Dan's a very smart basketball man. He works in analytics, obviously with the Leafs and he can usually like, find something and like go at it. So I try to make it bulletproof in that way. But yes, to answer your question, I do quite enjoy putting those little things together. Shane, go ahead. Okay. So I wake up at seven, but after having an eight hour sleep. So this is what I typically do uh, because Alex sleeps from seven to nine. So I'm alone with the kids uh, from seven till nine. So I wake up, I grind my own beans. Mm. I make a coffee, but the coffee actually works. You know, sometimes the coffee doesn't give you that kick Mm. you want where your brain's firing at all cylinders. On this day, the coffee's working. I'm thinking of great ideas. I'm getting that euphoric coffee high. Mm. I start thinking about a viral TikTok while I'm having having the coffee. Are you paying attention to your kids at this point? Oh, I'm paying attention. The coffee's working so well. It's like I have two brains. They're partitioned perfectly. So I'm, I'm totally attentive, but I'm also thinking of awesome creative ideas. Lucy's being well-behaved. She's getting along with Betty. She's sharing the toys. And it's kind of like a beautiful moment between the children. Mm. Then I have an interview with some big guest I've always wanted to have. I'm, I'm interviewing them. I, I can't believe we actually landed this guest. I, I do the interview. It goes off great. I can't believe it. Then Hold after- on. Do you exchange uh, cell phone numbers with them, with this big guest? Does it matter? Yeah, and yes, and this has actually happened to me before. I interviewed Simon Rex, and he gave me his number, and he was texting me. And I thought this Ooh. was the coolest thing in the world. He, Who's he Simon in, Rex? He's in a rap group called Dirt Nasty. He was the star of Scary Movie 3. Oh, Very okay. cool guy. I, I'd always kind of looked up to him when I was young, but it was very surreal texting him. Then, okay, I, I have a light lunch. I just have my ground beef as usual. That makes always makes me feel good and mm. uh, makes my tummy full, and it makes me feel like I eat kind of healthy. Then the guys want to have a basketball game. So you, <laughs> you, you guys all want to play basketball, but unlike you guys, just playing isn't enough. I have to play amazing. My team wins every time. Guys are talking about how good I am. There's like, there's like onlookers talking about how weird and janky yet cool my game is. And I'm feeling great. 
then afterwards okay so hold on go- a second though. you're not you're yeah. not in toronto though you're in hamilton at your your palatial estate i'm in i'm in i'm in hamilton okay cool. but it, in in this day all the guys that used to be in toronto or in hamilton they're all visiting mm. all my closest friends are around and yeah. we all had this big basketball game like Birchall was even playing but he was he was actually just watching on the sidelines and being like you're actually amazing at basketball and he's giving me all these like you know a- uh, words of affirmation afterwards we go for drinks so not not only yeah. am I an amazing basketball player, when we go for drinks, I'm just being hilarious. Like the mm. wit is just on fire. I'm not too drunk. I'm the perfect level. It's, it's going great. And everyone's like thinking I'm just hilarious. And Birchall's like, yeah, you're yeah. actually really hilarious. Give me words of affirmation. <laughs> this is like just Birchall complimenting. Always yeah, there. Well, whatever. <laughs> it does feel good when Birchall gives you that approval. Then It's true. It's true. I Then I film my TikTok. Mm. Whatever. I just I just film it. Kick it out to the world. Don't don't think much of it. We go to a Raptors game after, <laughs> after this game. <laughs> you, you know, after we have some beers, we go to the Raptors game. The, the, the drinks were the pre-drink to the Raptors game. I come home at, again, like you, Max, about 1230. I'm, I know I'm not going to be ruined the next day. I'm just kind of riding the high of the day. Are you Ubering back to your place? You're not getting on the bus. Like, you have a driver, basically, who's who's picking you up. Birchall's at- organized something where we all have drivers. <laughs> it, it, this day could be Birchall's birthday. You know, he kind of goes all out and, and treats everyone. <laughs> your ideal day is Birchall's birthday. Well, he's very generous. His idea of a good birthday is impressing a lot of people. So yes, he tends he to get really generous. Okay, so then I, I get home and, and it's 1230. And right before I close my eyes, I decide to glance at my phone. Mm. My TikTok has gone viral. Yes. And yes, it's just yes, yes. it's just filled with not only has it gone viral, all the comments section are talking about how good I look in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is a perfect day. That's a great, wow. great day. That is a good wow. day. Wow. This is a good exercise, guys. I like that. Yeah, that was really fun. Uh, let's talk about NFTs. NFT. Yeah, I saw you do a tweet of this. I had to look it up. That's non-fungible something. Tokens? Tokens. Tokens. I looked it up too. I feel like we all did some research here. Uh, Shaney, you looked it up. Do you want to give Only us a Only because breakdown? you did a tweet. I didn't go deep diving. You just said when I do an email and it goes into my drafts that I consider that an NFT, which I'm guessing this it's like a time limit. And when, once it goes in your drafts, you feel like the email is just fucked was that the the point no 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 the 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 bad joke i was trying to make was basically actually you know what let's set it up uh so people can mike do your thing (laughs) oh okay please another financial thing that i don't fully understand i'd love to explain (laughs) it uh yeah these so the best way that i read it that i sort of understood it is that these non-fungible tokens are basically things that um uh, there's like basically a digital record that you are the owner of the original, even though it can be printed a million times. Like for instance, if we took this video of the three of us and we we decided to sell it, like it made an NFT and somebody wanted to spend $300,000 on it, they would have the original as sort of um, um, denoted like with a number, like a number would prove that you owned the original, but they could replicate this a thousand times and everyone could have this video, but somebody in theory would own it. So it's kind of like art, right? Like it's like, there can be a thousand reprints of a Rembrandt, but only one person owns the Rembrandt and some rich guy has it on his wall and he gets to brag about it to his friends. The difference here is it is a digital um, ownership. So you're really only getting the bragging rights, I believe that's what you're paying for. And that's where I made the joke is because I was because uh, the anytime you save a document 
is like, oh, that's the first original version of the file. And so like, you know, when you like automatically in Gmail saves to your draft, like I guess that's the original that you could sell that ostensibly as the first one. Um, but yeah, in our line of work, it's kind of the only thing people are talking about right now because the Kings of Leon, uh, they sold their album as an NFT. It's available on streaming and everything else, but um you can buy versions of the album with uh, original artwork, digital artwork made by the Kings of Leon art director dude. Um, and I think there's they're only selling them for a week. Um, and there's a number, and, right? Like it's like say there's 300, yeah. you can get one of 300, whatever the numbers. I don't know what it is for the for the Kings of Leon, but that's yeah. the that's the exclusivity, even though it's something everyone can have. Exactly. And, um, and, uh, Dead Mouse is doing some stuff. There's a uh, Steve Aoki, I think. A lot of people in electronic art, uh, world are doing it. Also, uh, Grime sold a piece of artwork for a bunch of money. And yeah, it's kind of all the rage right now. And I, and, uh, I kind of don't get it, uh, really because it's like, I understand, you know, an Andy Warhol or, uh, you know, some, or a Picasso. It's like, this is like the original thing and it's up on your wall and you can see his brushstrokes or whatever. But when it's just a digital file, the, it feels funny to be bragging about the original copy of a digital file. And it feels like it's, it's like the, the art, the art world to me was always, it felt a little abstract and kind of just based on bragging rights, as you say, Mike, of like, I have the original thing and I don't collect anything and I don't give a shit about anything. The only thing I like spending my money on is like experiences. Um, and so I guess as an investment, it makes sense if there's a market for it, but it just feel the whole idea feels like there's a lot of people that have like a lot of time on their hands right now that are just like looking for some kind of juice because the world is so fucking boring right now is that it's just like, okay, can't do my normal thing where I get like a rush and, and claiming of ownership over something or I get to bid on something that this is just like a new game for like rich dudes to play. Uh, yeah. But, um, Mike, are you as cynical as I am about this? I, I, I like, where am I wrong here? I don't know. I mean, well, if it's, it's, if it's a thing, it's a thing. Like it's like a created market, right? It's like something has value if somebody's willing to pay for it. So it's like I, the construct, it's like, yeah, it seems weird to me. And I would derive no value out of owning the very first, like a digital file. I would not pay for that because that doesn't really bring value to my life to be able to say at a party. Oh, I, I have one of these, you know, these, these, um, finite Kings of Leon records. Like I, that doesn't Yeah, let me, let me, me pull it up on my laptop. Like, exactly. What? Whereas like, uh, you know, my brother could be like, yeah, I also have it too on Apple music or Spotify. And it's like, <laughs> like, but, but, but there's people that think differently about these things. And if they have money to spend and they're willing to create a market or a bubble, it's like, it has value. So just cause I don't, it's not for me. I'm reticent to like dismiss it because I'm just like, it obviously exists. It's obviously a thing, or maybe it's just a bunch of like hot air about nothing. and It will be gone in a month. I, I have no idea. Shaney, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's not for me. And I dismiss it though. <laughs> Unlike That's you, what I'm looking for. I love you it. don't have the guts. <laughs> I don't. I'm playing it right down the middle. Well, it's like why, Bitcoin. Why Remember Bitcoin? It? Like, were you guys dismissive of Bitcoin? Because that feels like it's just, it's still, it's, it's a thing, right? Well, like cryptocurrency. Bitcoin yeah. Is... Bitcoin makes sense to me. Right. But yeah, and I guess because like there's not a lot of faith in, you know, some uh, national currencies, right? So it's like you want to have something you can put your your investments in that if you don't trust like the Canadian dollar, if you don't trust the euro, euro or some African country, whatever. So you buy a Bitcoin that is more of an international appeal. 
and has international weight to it. But this is like when it's like the sale of a digital piece of art. It is. It feels like yeah, a scam. It feels like well, it feels I guess like satire. it's cool if it could be an investment, much in the same way like Bitcoin can be used as currency. Like if you have one of the first three hundred Kings of Leon albums digitally, and you can later trade or sell that for something bigger. I guess in a sense it is like Bitcoin. It's just like a different form of currency. Well, it's just like I mean, it's like Beanie Babies or something, right? It's like everybody's just like no one actually gave a shit about Beanie Babies, but they're like, oh, I can buy them because I think these are going to be worth a lot of money. And the thing which is interesting about these sort of niche markets is that they kind of can do this. They can kind of come and go. Like basketball cards are making a real big comeback now. And for you know, when we were kids, basketball cards and baseball cards were were worth something. And then by the time we became, you know, late teenagers, nobody gave a shit about basketball cards. Do you guys remember the store Legends of the Game in Toronto? Were you in Toronto by the time? Oh, it was that. No. Oh, it was right no. at uh, John and King. It was like right on that corner where the Tim Hortons is. Do you, oh. do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. So there was a, it was it was called uh, Legends of the Game, and it was a card store. And it was like, can you imagine, like, uh, like in that big corner building, just like three floors of playing like sports cards basically and, and other kinds of memorabilia. And so obviously that was like a big thing when we were growing up. And then in the last, you know, 15 years, nobody's given a shit about it. And now basketball cards are back again. And I think it's because nobody has anything else to do. Do, do, do you agree with that? Do you feel like there's a lot of funny stuff happening in the world right now? Cause nobody has anything to do. And there's just like, you know, obsessive guys that are just like looking for a rush to, to, to participate in some kind of like bidding and posturing of some sort? It's a good theory. Well, there's people like Gary V who are looking for new ways to make money. So what Who's they'll Gary do Vee is- again? He's a marketing guru, a oh, motivational yes, speaker type. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's like so popular right now. And I think his other businesses were going down a little bit. So for the last few years or for the last little while, especially the last six months, He's been talking about the value in basketball cards and everyone needs to get Michael Jordan's rookie card. So it's there's like a stock term. I think it's called like pump and dump or whatever, where you you build up the the value of something only so you can knowing you have so much influence, you can make the the perceived value go up with something so you can sell it. So I think Mm. a lot of people they're the traditional ways of making money isn't the same. So they're a lot of rich people, they're pumping up the value of these cards only to sell them and make a massive profit. Yeah. That's what it feels like. And people are getting sucked into it. But I think everyone's doing it, like you said, as an investment to make money. And it's in desperate mm -hmm. times, you're going to come up with weird ways of making money. I think the funny thing about this is where it feels abstract to me is like, if you're investing in something that is like, oh, in an energy company, or you're investing in a piece of property, or you're investing in a clothing company or, or something that has like kind of a real world tangible thing that has always made more sense to my my head. But when it's like these like random things where it's like this thing that was uh, built in 1921 is a piece of trash. And this other thing that was built in 1921, that's worth a lot of money, depending on who it is. Like when it gets into the art world and uh, placing value on things, that's I know it's existed forever. I know people have been selling art for a long time, but that's just always where I'm like, I just don't care about it at all. To, to believe in, even in the physical artifact. So when it's a digital file, I care even less. Dead Mouse had a funny uh, post about it. He said, Dead Mouse's NFT masterclass. Step one, make low effort NFT. Step two, 
Start a clubhouse room and invite the crypto Illuminati and various millionaires and influencers. Step three, say community three times. Step four, and it's just three question marks. Step five, profit. And he's like, welcome to Bottle Popping 2.0. At least artists are happy to have finally found a way to fuck people over harder than any major label ever could. Neat. So he's actually done some some of these things, but he, for a guy who's participating in it, is like pretty cynical about it. And I tend to agree with this kind of thing. It's just like, can we find a bunch of rich idiots to pump up this market and get really excited about it? And and maybe they'll make some money, maybe they'll lose a bunch of money, but either way, maybe artists are profiting from it finally, which I guess is kind of cool. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that's that's basically. I, I found myself wondering, like, who's participating? Like, do you have to? It's be just rich wealthy? dudes. It's yeah. just rich dudes. Yeah, and people who are into like playing the stock market and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm again. It feels like satire to me. Like people always talk about, you know, somebody who like was selling pieces of like the Brooklyn Bridge or the Eiffel Tower back in the day, like that scam, where you can own a piece of the Brooklyn Bridge and they, you know, you would get some sort of, you know, deed or paper, but it was all just some scam artist. It's like this feels very much like that, but because we're in this new digital age and we're constantly sort of like, you know, uh, recognizing trends or ways to make money, that this very much feels like again, you're not getting something tangible. What I don't know is if that's an out-of-date thought. Well, yeah, Birchall would say, uh, you know, he'd say like, no, like the future is that like the youth generation really do value digital things in a way that we don't understand. Yes, so, that's when, and that's why I like hedge. I, d- I do wonder generally like uh, how many of these things are happening because, yeah, there's just not as much, th- not much real life happening. And like we are kind of going more and more into like a virtual reality with the amount of time we spend on our phones. And th- and so I, I the culture has been heading in that direction. But I do wonder if things will sort of like level out a little bit once we can have real world activity again. That like that you're seeing certain things like NFTs really like pop off or like the GameStop thing because people are bored, basically. Bored yeah. and not making money. Yeah. Like you, you have to yeah. be in, inventive in these times. Actually, though, um, maybe moving on to the next subject. One thing that actually kind of got me fired up was uh, the All-Star Game outrated the Oprah interview. No, did it that? didn't. It Come did. on. It did. It Oprah, did. It was like... Oprah did I over 17.3. Like, You're telling me the NBA All-Star really? Game did over 17.3 million viewers? Where did I see this? I, I saw it. Cite your sources, like, my man. There's no okay. way in hell. Really? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Okay, wait. Look up the source. <laughs> I, have to go, I have to go pee really quick. Look up the source. Uh, do you want me to okay. bring the recording equipment in? Well, I, no, I'm kidding. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> That's how that stream goes, yeah. Hopefully it's nice and healthy and strong. Okay, so Shane, Shane is back from the bathroom now. Maxi, hit us with the, the ratings news. Okay, Mark Stein. Okay, I misread the tweet. He said, Sunday's All-Star Game on TNT was most viewed program in primetime for under 45s. So 3.26 million, outpacing even the big Oprah interview on CBS 3, 3.01 million. So under 45s, the oh, NBA okay. was, but I guess, you know, when we're talking about the royal family and stuff like Oprah and Oprah, they, yeah, that, that interview would They did dominate. over 17 million. But over 17 million. Well, maybe God not a desirable damn. demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, did you end up, I know Mike watched it. Shane, did you watch it? I didn't watch either of them. No, Shane, you didn't read the article. You don't know what <laughs> NFTs are. You didn't watch the Oprah. 
you uh, did not watch the basketball. No, we're still having fun on the pod, though. It's sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's good if you, you, I can be the your audience. Your fantasy day, though, is very impressive, though. So I'll give you that. Thank you. Uh, but, and um, we still got the Shane surprise coming up, right? So uh, stay hey, tuned for some more true. Shane content. This is good. So, Mikey, though, because uh, we were texting during this thing, <laughs> and obviously your interest would be in the basketball. But then Twitter was going off, and this is this sort of new new age sensation of like watching TV, but also looking at your phone the whole time because you want to see yes. what's happening on Twitter. And then you were like, "Fuck it, I got to go to the Oprah interview with Megan and uh, Harry." What? What? what g- g- describe your night. This is what happened. So the NBA All Star Game's on. I'm like, of course, I'm you know settle in Sunday night, order some food. Um, so Danica puts Wynn to bed, and then she comes down, and the All Star Game's on. And I saw Twitter going off about the interview with Meghan Markle and and and, and Harry, uh, Prince Harry. So I'm like, oh, I forgot that was happening. So about five minutes in, I started recording it on the PVR, and I'm like, I can breathe through the highlights like in a bit, right? So Danica sits down. We're watching the basketball game. And then Twitter's like going off and I'm like, and I'm kind of starting to get that feeling. I'm like, I'm not really going to switch over. Like I'm going to obviously watch the all-star game and I'll time shift this interview. And then it's I guess, Mikey v, I watch yeah, come on, this is who I am. <laughs> and then Danica's who's been kind of looking at her phone and sort of half attention to the basketball game. She goes, apparently this, uh, this interview is, uh, it's pretty intense. And I was like, that was enough where I'm like, she wants to watch this interview, but she's so nice that she's not going to tell me to change the basketball game. And I'm like, I'm like, if, we can we can throw it on like at halftime. She's like, ah, I kind of want to watch it all at once. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then I kind of watch a couple more buckets and like a really sloppy start to this basketball game. And Twitter's going crazy. And I go, you know what? I'm going to time shift the basketball game and ignore basketball Twitter. And we're going to watch this interview. So at that point, we, we we put it on from where we started recording it. And we were like, honestly, we were pretty riveted. Yeah, it was it was great. Where you did know? you watch it? Tell me your setup. Where was I? Was I watching with Ash? Yeah, we watched it. Yeah, yeah, we watched it here. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, we watched it here. And um, she was very excited about watching it. And she she does not really give a shit about the royal family. But I think just like the big personalities, this being their first sort of comeback interview was very exciting. And I got to say, it really lived up to the goods. Like Oprah said that it was her best interview she's ever done. And, you know, looking from afar, you don't know how much is real, like, salacious gossip when it comes to the royal family versus, like, that's just sort of made up by the press versus, like, real life shit. And Megan was just dropping bombs. Like, and it was, like, hard stuff. Um, And I, I think there's no other way to see it, I think, than the royal family come off as kind of bad people really at, at the core of it. And I would be really interested to know how the press in England is is reacting to it because like we don't really understand the Brits fascination with the Royal family. You know, like it, it does, it's not, it's not the same. And Megan kind of talks about that in the interview. She's like, Oh, I didn't get it. Like what it means over there. And growing up, I had these friends, uh, Tim and David, I'm still friends with today. And uh, their parents have British accents. They would have come over as adults and like, you know, like they follow it. And like when died, died, like, you know, their parents cried. Like it's a very important thing in the lives of the Brits. Uh, so I can only imagine what's going on over there. Did you guys see the Piers Morgan interview this morning? Like him, or, him uh, walk off? Him walk off set. It was awesome. And Why basically, did he walk off? What, well, we can well, get into Piers Morgan. He got, so yes, basically 
so a couple things. So just to do the Piers Morgan thing, I guess he's been like a um, a critic of Meghan Markle from day one, basically, and, and Prince Harry. He's basically been like, you're the most like privileged people. You're whining about your station in life, your duty, sort of being born a royal. He's been on this tip like since day one, since they got together. So they do the interview. Uh, and the next day, I guess he goes on his morning show and he basically says he doesn't believe a word that Megan said. And Megan in the interview talks about um, like very seriously um, having the ideation of like taking her own life. And so when, when Piers the next day basically says, I don't believe a word that she says, he's basically denying even her truth about that. And so they're saying this is like for mental health advocates, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. He's a national platform. Today, one of his co-hosts was basically saying that the, the press in England, like everything that Meghan and Harry said about the way the press treated them is irrefutable and true. And to listen to Pierre's, his, co- his co-host, who's sitting two seats down, basically deny that was very hurtful for him. And at that moment, Morgan like stands up and he takes like his mic off and he's like, I can't listen to this. I'm out of here. And he walks off the set. Also, did you, if you look a few tweets down, um, there's a previous interview with Pierre's, this is from probably years ago, where he, he takes credit for introducing Meghan to Harry because he went on a, like a blind date or a date with Megan and then he like put her in a cab and then she ended up going to hang out with Harry and then he never heard from her again. So yeah, so there's that part of it too. What? And yeah, yeah. And so the host of the show is like, you're just mad that she like left you on red, bro. Like, fuck you. So there's like that. that uh, <laughs> I did not see well. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so that's the Piers Morgan thing. The one thing I was going to say though about this sort of like, when people talk about the crown, the sort of the big takeaway from the crown and the way that they portray like the royal family or the monarchy is this sense that duty um, will always supersede family or like emotional context, meaning like your sense of duty and sort of this position that you've been born into is actually more important than your feelings or what you've got going on in your life. Like, like this is number one. This is the hierarchy of sort of, 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 of how we do this. That's what the crown has always sort of portrayed. And you're always like, how much of that is fictionalized? Like, are they really sort of this stuffy and like stick to the rules as much as they can and sort of, you know, uh, ignore larger issues with people and how they're sort of feeling, et cetera, et cetera. What this interview did was basically Meghan Markle and Prince Harry essentially kind of validated everything you've seen dramatized in the crown. And they basically said, yes, they are trapped by like sort of the firm and they don't even know that they're trapped. And it was so- Calling them the firm was so- It was just like, it felt very like- I couldn't believe he was saying this. Like, it, I think, you know, if you're Oprah, like this is the greatest sort of get ever. Like they've been teasing this thing for like weeks and you're like, okay, they'll say like a few things, but it's going to be controlled and maybe just more of like an image piece for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And then they were just like so incredibly like honest and and sort Raw. of like not holding back anything that you, it did make for like riveting television them pulling back the curtain on certain anecdotes about like oh yeah the first time i went to go meet the queen like harry's like Yo, do you know how to curtsy she's like what are you talking about she's like you have to curtsy like when you meet the queen she's like well like sure in front of people but like even when i'm just like going over to the house to say hi for the first time he's like oh yeah, yeah you, you definitely got to curtsy it's the queen here's a question <laughs> though i missed the first five minutes like i said i forgot it was on and then i started pvring but did she say that she did not Google Prince Harry when she started dating him? Because yeah, that made I me think of Shane, actually. Yeah. I was like, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, of course you did. You're seeing who your mutual friends are on Instagram. And stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, like it was pretty... Uh, did, did Alex watch any of it, Shane? Or have, has it like... Have you heard anything about it? Yeah, she was she was excited when I I, I actually when I saw it was in our message group I was like oh there's a, a an interview that's blowing up right now it's apparently it's pretty wild and she got really excited and went in the other room and turned it on so she was watching it I was 
I, I have pretty good ears. I could hear some of it in the other room. I was just doing, I was doing editing work. So I was like editing and then listening to the TV a little bit. So I could hear some of the moments you're talking about. <laughs> what did Alex think about it? She loved it. She thought it was so interesting, but she doesn't seem like a, a huge Megan fan. I don't want to say that. I feel like she's going to get canceled. <laughs> well, why? What do, I thought Megan came off so real and raw and to the point. What didn't she like about her? I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. She's on Team Kate. <laughs> just beep the word uh, Megan there. Just it'll be funny. People will know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I thought that I, I I found myself being like really impressed with uh, Prince Harry. Like he just seemed mm. like the most like like he's the guy with the most to lose. Like he's basically throwing his family under the bus yeah. and sort of his station in life and like. Yeah, it was all very like, and, and he was candid in a certain way, but he also was just very much like, I had to take care of my wife. Like my family comes first. You know, it's kind of the opposite of what the crown is, which is like duty first, maybe family second. He's like, no, like family first for me. And that's why I'm willing to sort of move on from all this. And it felt very authentic. You know, on that tip, I agree with everything you just said about Harry. He also um, has this thing about him where he's like, just kind of over everything. He's just kind of over it. Yeah. Like even in the beginning, when he first came to set because Oprah talked to Megan at first and then Harry joins Oprah makes some sort of, I forget what it was, but she makes some kind of joke. And most of the time, if like someone like Oprah is making a joke and you're like the new guy in the conversation, you kind of go, Oh, <laughs> polite laugh. He's just, you kind of polite laugh. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, he just didn't give a shit. He wasn't being rude, but you could just, you know, you tell a guy who's like seen and done and been through everything. He's like, yeah, okay. We all talk about whatever, like you know, nothing to hide. There's, there's nothing really to hide. Let's 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 go. Well, he's more uh, famous than Oprah too, so there's a hierarchy for laughing. It's yeah, a good question. <laughs> Who's more hierarchy for famous. laughing? Oprah needs to laugh at his jokes. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I did ask Danica while we were watching it. I was like, "Is is he hot? Is Prince Harry hot?" I'm like, "I can't mm. tell." She was like, uh, "No," but when you put the whole package together and hear him speak and like you know how like thoughtful he is and how he cares about his wife and obviously his station, she's like, "That whole thing together makes him attractive." But if he's just a guy in Whole Foods, the answer was was not very. Yeah, nice. I feel like that's most dudes, though, right? Like, like what is what is your package? Uh, you know, when it comes you to think. yeah. So you, you don't think he? You don't? I I think he's handsome. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I think you're used to seeing his face a lot. I think if there's like a uh, random dude at a party, you're like, oh, there's a guy. He's a guy. But I, I do find it interesting how you know this is old fodder, but how Will used to be the hot one, and Harry was yeah. the little ginger. I think he still is more handsome. Even with his big old bald head, he looks weird now. <laughs> yeah, you can wear a hat though. He's like, oh my god, he's yeah. He, Not nothing, you know, nothing against bald people, but like I'm just saying that like he used to have a big, nice head of hair. Clearly, right? now he's. I, mean, I, I mean, listen, everyone's thinking it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Breaking news, guys. Manager Ash just threw into the pod group that so everybody for the last couple of days has been like, Will Buckingham Palace respond? No, they've mm. been silent since the interview mm. and they just released a statement. Whoa, read it. Okay. So the statement from Buckingham Palace. Following statement is issued by Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. Very official. Okay. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. You know what? That's a pretty good statement. 
right? Is it? Well, no. I think she, it's, no. They found a fancy way to call her a liar. <laughs> no. <laughs> I well, know some variations I think, may vary. I don't think Shane's necessarily wrong. That is a very interesting mm, line. Okay, interesting. Maybe I'm too lenient on, on this kind of thing because I was just like, huh. The only way to do a statement is complete ownership of it. Mm. Like and just saying we were wrong, we did, yeah, a full mm. out apology, and they're too proud to do that, and they're using all this fancy lingo and just, you know, it's so unemotional that that response, and it doesn't uh, feel like anyone with a heartbeat wrote it. Also, I thought, and I'm, I kind of love that Oprah asked this question: is she asked if they watched The Crown? And uh, Harry and Megan both said that they've seen parts of it. And I was like, you guys fucking binged yeah. it. You don't just yeah. watch parts. <laughs> this last season with Princess Diana was awesome, man. I'm like, you don't watch pieces of it. You go through the whole thing. I Okay, let, let's go through that statement again, though. So basically, like, they're saddened here because you could make an argument. Maybe I'm being too sympathetic. Just, you just didn't know what someone was going through. And, and like, I think everything about the statement is fine, except for the line that Shane very astutely pointed out. Which is, while some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Like, that's basically saying your perception of events is 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 not necessarily the true perception of events. The first line, though, isn't good either. It's the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last. I don't they, think they've that's known. wrong. No, I mean, they've when known. families have. They're acting like they just learned it via Oprah. They no, know. No, but when families have disputes and people stop talking to each other, think about, okay, let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here for a second, just for the sake of this conversation. Like when you and your, when me and Dan Hamilton have gotten into fights and then we talk about it a week later and this happens, he goes, well, I, I was just mad because of the thing you said or you didn't get back to me. And then I go, oh, fuck, I didn't realize that's what I did. This like, is a little bit beyond you and Dan's arguments. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but but my point is is that when families fight, like you know, people can can take offense or misunderstand or not misunderstand, but like read a situation differently. Anyway, that's my my only point is that. But, I, but this I think- has been out in the like if I've known about this and this has been on the cover of magazines, how ruined Megan is, and a reporter asked her a question. She like a reporter asked her in an interview, how are you doing? She broke down and started crying. I think people know the full extent sure. of how hard this has been for her to so to act like they're just learning it from this Oprah interview is totally mm-hmm. disingenuous and bullshit opening line. Yeah. Um hmm. Yeah, you, you, I think you're you're probably right, but I would just say that there is something to be going. Oh fuck, I didn't know it was that bad. I thought they were just being assholes or something, like, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, which is also true. Could be true. I enjoyed uh, your, the tweet you sent, Max, that said that the royal family was going to be responding on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Oh, I found a. Uh, so ben- is that an original Max thought? You said that? No, no, no he he shared a tweet. Oh, oh, okay. I don't remember who uh, sent that. Who whose tweet it was though? It was a good tweet though. So Richard Dreyfus is a kid, uh, Ben Dreyfus, who's like a grown adult. He tweeted, this is why you should follow him. I think Meghan Markle made America very proud in how she treated these pretentious, pasty little fuck brains in England. She read them the riot act and said, fuck you. You eat shit. You breathe shit. You are shit. And bitch, my offer to you is this. Nothing. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's a lot. <laughs> That's his speed all the time. I saw, a, I saw a tweet that said, for anyone that's suggesting that Meghan was acting in that interview... Uh, if she was that good of an actor, her top credit wouldn't have been like, you know, a second suits. lead on suits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right, let's get to the Shane surprise. Let's do it. Uh, Shane, you look like you have a little bit of consternation on your face. Did you have one more thought to add to this whole royal mm-hmm. mess? Sorry about that. I was just going to ask if you think she really watched the Little Mermaid movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I felt reference. like she just had. 
because she, it felt like, oh, I know the plot to Little Mermaid and this story will be that much better if I say, oh, you know what? It was on and I happened to watch through it all and then I had this realization. It's like how a stand-up comedian takes a seed of something and then acts like they actually went through it or it happened to them when really they just thought of it or heard it happen to a friend. You know, that part didn't feel real to me. Like when she's basically, she, yeah, she said, you know, the, the little mermaid in order to be with the prince had to lose her voice. And, and you know, that's the metaphor for her sort of being silenced. Mm. It is like an amazing sort of connection. And so you're saying, did, was she watching the little mermaid when it, it, this, she had this epiphany? Well, I think she was like, she had it. She knows the little mermaid. She probably watched those movies a lot as a kid. And was like on the big Oprah interview, I'm going to use this analogy. But then it's going to sound weird and childlike if I just say a uh, Little Mermaid analogy. I have to justify it in some way. So I'm going to find this connective tissue. That's the way I felt. Hmm. And that's how I would have went about it. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to your Oprah interview one day, Shaney. <laughs> cool. Speaking of Shaney, let's get to the Shaney surprise. Okay, so. Recently, I was very humiliated by my wife uh so i've been pulling not i don't do pranks like I, I i like i don't really like surprises pulled on me birthday surprises of any sort or a prank i'm not really into but for the tiktok i've been trying to find ways to go viral and i've had success with a few videos like we put up one yesterday and it's it's almost at a hundred thousand views but i wanted a prank to go viral so i did one with alex where i I turned a coffee cup upside down and put whipped cream on the top of it. And then there's a way you can flip the coffee cup with liquid inside of it. And uh, like if you put it on a cutting board. Anyway, she grabbed the cup, went to drink it, and it spilled all over. Her, but it was very anticlimactic. And she was like, oh, you're cleaning that up. <laughs> but she implied like she was going to pull a prank on me and get me back. But Alex is very transparent and a terrible actress. And it's always obvious anytime she's up to something remotely deceitful, but she got me with a, a very intense prank that like shook me to my core. And I had a total freak out. There's no, like, I'm not exaggerating. I like freaked out and started like, I started seeing stars and like getting vertigo and like screaming at the top of my lungs. And uh, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> And then I, then I realized it was on camera and I, my, my mind was blown and I was like, I can't believe she got me like this. It's like when you watch punked and you're like, oh, would this, if this happened to me, would I react? I'd be like, no, I know I'm on punked. And then I didn't know whether to agree to put it online on my Instagram. Cause all I can think of is you two and Sean Dawson making fun of me for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, so can I, we see this. Uh, I can, I'll play the audio. I, I can't, the fit, like, I can't play the video. I'm, I'm going through it so, so much. Like it took me a full day to actually listen to it. This is a hell of a tease, by the oh way. You're going to have to drop this. So I'll play tease. it at the end. So I, I'll, I'll play it at the end, but I wanted to ask you if something like this happened to you, would you allow it to go online? And by the way, I know with Mike, Danica is not like a person to even partake in something like this. <laughs> but neither are we really in the pranking realm. But let's no. pretend it happened to you. Or if even like one of your friends pulled it on you. My my thought would be, it's like, it's like you have to review the footage. Like you'd have to review the footage 
and you would have to like basically it's like i could see myself doing i don't know what you did but i can relate to the feeling like it's just like you have like an a reaction in real time that you obviously aren't in control of and then you sort of become aware and then afterward you're like am i going to be good sport about this and release this again it all depends on the footage like it's like if it's so embarrassing that i'm like in 10 years i'm going to look back on this and i'm still going to be embarrassed i probably bury it i'm like we don't need to put this in the world if i'm like am i going to literally laugh at this the way i've laughed at other things i've gotten bent out of shape about and then and i'd be like does it have more value will it bring people joy uh to do this and does it supersede sort of my ego then yes i probably release it but again you have to see it you don't know until you see it man okay so the scenario Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you have a, a fear, a deep-rooted fear of spiders, mm. and you flipped out mm-hmm. and went nuts because someone told you you had a spider on your back, and you lost your mind for like 40 oh, seconds. That sounds that's... pretty innocent and very funny. I don't know, man. But you really lost it. But here's the thing. is like if, if people have phobias and... You can't fuck with people's phobias in that way. It's it's one thing to be like, hey, it's like you want a new car. And then you're like, just kidding, you didn't win a new car. And you're like, fuck you, like, whatever. Yo, right? that but reminds me. There's like a famous clip of like these guys, like these roommates that basically their buddy had a lottery ticket uh, and they they played a tape from the day before that had the numbers so they tape their friend watching what he thinks is a real broadcast of them reading the lottery numbers and he gets the nu- and he's going and he's going and he hits the fucking million dollar lottery he loses it he's like it's the happiest moment of this guy's life and then all the buddies start snickering and he realizes he didn't win and it's actually a pretty devastating clip so in some ways to max's point about phobias shiny I think people would have nothing but, I mean, they'd laugh and then they'd probably feel bad for you. Well, what I was saying is, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It's going to go viral amongst my friends and that's it. It's it, And it's just going to be this thing that's always talked about. But a big part of, I guess, the catharsis of it or getting over it is talking about it right now and just knowing that, hey, I know that this is terribly embarrassing, that somehow that softens it, whether more than if this had just gone out beforehand you know what i mean so i need to talk about it and publicly acknowledge that i'm aware and somehow that makes it less embarrassing now that you've you front porched it you've done the preamble i feel like there's no way it could be nearly as embarrassing as like in the theater That's of part our of minds. my plan also <laughs> <laughs> uh maxi what you were you yeah. were doing a thought before i cut you off the lottery so, story about phobias yeah i feel like people will have sympathy for you if you're clearly that distraught by the idea of a, a, a spider on your back, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't think people are going to make fun of you. I think Alex I think everybody- didn't know I had a phobia, by the way. She thought I, because I, I have removed spiders from the house. Mm. She didn't know how much I was hiding my fear of this. And I never thought I'd actually have to tell her. Mm. She just thought it would be a funny thing that I, I go, ah, for a second, but. How would, how would you, like you, especially being a front man of a band, you you have a reputation of being cool, maybe. Mm. How, how, what how would, would I what? what would the, how would you handle if there's footage like this? Of a, let's say someone pulled a prank on you. Tony pulls a prank on you. What do you do? I'm trying to think about what the thing would be that would make me upset in that way. Because I'm trying to think, because it like, well, yeah, because I'm trying to think like what I'm grossed out by or... Yeah, there's nothing that I'm that afraid of, I don't think. But maybe but maybe like a weird centipede or something on my back might fuck me up or something. I, I, I have to, like nothing really comes to mind. So I'd have but to see. But would you allow it be released to the public? 
Oh, depends on how hot I looked in it. Right. Oh, that's another thing too. This is filmed at a terrible angle, like a really low angle. If, it's like if I, if I look good and then my shirt was off and it was like the right angle or something like that. And then like there's a centipede, but I'm like, you know, trying to like move around the room, but I'm like glistening. And Max, I, like, Max keeps trying to get something. pranked while he's lifting weights. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might be a good time to do that prank now. <laughs> really do hate yeah. spiders. <laughs> Love crunches. Yeah, I think though. it really just comes down to like how shitty I look in the thing. Even if I'm freaking out, if I look good, I don't, I don't think I'll care. Yeah. So are okay. we going to do this clip? I mean, this is a lot. Okay, of I'm going to try to play it loud enough and tell me though. Okay, tell no, me hold if your I'm phone up. Hold your phone okay, up. I'm going to. I just can't look at the phone. I just gotta. I gotta cue it up here. I'm not going to watch it. Okay. One second. Hey. Okay, so Alex <laughs> wants to see your reaction. Okay. I'm What's up, Alex? Up. Hey, Alex. when I'm realizing. So that was oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never seen you really raise your voice like that. No, either. that was no. like a tone that I've never heard from you. I was uh, in the rest of the day. I'm right now. I'm internally combusting. Just watching you guys listen to that. But I had vertigo. I like got so scared my brain went to like a different part of my body and i was having vertigo for the rest of the day but yeah would you let wow. that out max if if no for sure for sure it's a very human moment i think we could use more of that that's the whole thing about tiktok it's about being vulnerable man just be vulnerable be yourself come on yeah well yeah there you go are you gonna put it out i don't know i don't know it's like it's because it it's embarrassing to watch too just just the beginning luckily a lot of my face isn't in it because I run, Alex runs away and I like chase her to like help me. But listen, Shane, I think your pursuit of like going viral uh, will in a, like a day will probably be like more important than any embarrassment that you might feel about like the bad right. angle or how stupid you seem. So I think you're gonna post it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Shane surprise. 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 Mm-hmm.